0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Balanced Fawn podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm so happy to have you here. Happy Halloween. If you're listening to this the day the episode comes out, and happy Scorpio season. Who feels the energy of Scorpio season? Because I definitely do after a basically entire month of October in bed because I've been so sick and also all of that calming Libra energy it feels good to have a little bit of a jolt and I feel that energy jolt from Scorpio season also after the full moon last week I have felt pretty all over the place and I'm wondering if you guys have too that's a whole conversation for another day astrology and all of that good stuff So today we are not talking astrology, but we are talking Ayurveda and so much more than just Ayurveda with the beautiful Sahara Rose, who has risen to the top of the Ayurveda world. She is the voice of Ayurvedic living for millennials and for people of our generation. As you'll learn in this episode, I have been lucky enough to know Sahara since the very beginning of her journey with becoming an author and getting into this digital space long before either of us had podcasts or had written books or anything of the sort, Sahara is the host of the Highest Self podcast. And something tells me that a lot of people listening to this show are crossover listeners of Sahara's podcast because we talk about such similar things and, well, I suppose different things from a similar perspective or Similar things from a different perspective, depending on how you look at it. She's the author of the brand new Eat Feel Fresh, which is a modern guide to Ayurvedic cooking and Ayurvedic lifestyle. And she also wrote The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which has sold tens of thousands of copies and has just blown so many Ayurvedic lifestyle books out of the water. With its success. And Sahara, on top of all that, is just an incredible friend. She's an intuitive channel. She's deeply in tune with the world and energies and her psychic powers. And she is friends with Deepak Chopra. She manifested that to life. We talk all about her manifestation techniques in this episode. And ultimately, if you've heard Sahara on her own podcast or a lot of other podcasts, I really wanted you guys to get a different side of her and learn things that you haven't learned if you are a big Sahara Rose fan, because I think it's really fun to have conversations with people who have been on a a lot of podcasts and have their own podcast and kind of show you them in a new light and have new conversations and just roll with the flow. I'm so inspired by the way that she runs her business. She only has friends on her podcast, just like I do on this podcast, which is pretty rare in the podcasting space, especially with getting pitched for all sorts of guests all the time. But I think a certain authenticity factor is maintained when you have people that you know on the show. So no wonder I love Sahara's podcast so much. I love her as a person. I absolutely love her book, both of her books. You need to order her new book, Eat, Feel Fresh. And I think we'll do a giveaway in this episode so, if you are kind enough to rate and review this podcast in iTunes, send me a screenshot to Jordan at And follow I am Sahara Rose on Instagram, which is Sahara's Instagram. And of course, The Balanced Blonde on Instagram. But I think a lot of you might already do that. If you're already here on the podcast, just send me a screenshot of all of the above to my email and we will choose one winner a week from today to receive a copy of Eat, Feel Fresh, Sahara's amazing Ayurvedic cookbook and lifestyle book. So we talk about Ayurveda in this episode, but also so much more. And we also talk about a couple things that are going to be the first time that you guys have heard me mention. And that is that I'm going to be taking my first ever break from podcasting and blogging and social media and work Basically, ever since I started this brand, so season one quote unquote of the Balance blonde podcast came out two years ago, actually to the day so today, and I'm recording this is october twenty sixth and two years ago, my first ever podcast episode with my best friend Brandon Cohen as the guest came out and it's been two years every single week it's been amazing and Most of the time, podcasting fuels me. It sets my soul on fire. But at this time in my life, being so sick with Lyme disease and having almost no energy to get out of bed, probably like four or five days out of a seven-day week, it's become a lot. And I don't love releasing episodes when I don't feel my best about the energy that I was able to bring to the show. And luckily, I have such amazing guests, such amazing friends who come on this podcast like Sahara and they keep the conversation really interesting. And I don't think the episodes lack much, but I know how I feel behind the scenes and it's really hard for me to muster together the energy to do everything that is important to me in a podcast episode. So I just wanted to tell you guys that we talk about that a little bit in this episode that I will be taking a break. I have a few more weeks of new episodes coming out, and then I will tell you what to expect from there. But it was special to have Sahara here and talk about that. And I just wanted to mention it in the intro so that you're not totally blind-sided when it comes up in conversation, so before we dive into this wonderful episode with Sahara Rose, I wanted to thank our sponsor for today's show, Hum Nutrition. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, then, you know, Hum Nutrition has been one of my first and longtime sponsors. I use their products every single day. They are a line of natural beauty supplements, and they have a special code for all of our Soul on Fire listeners. The code is Soul, S-O-U-L, which you can use at checkout at humnutrition.com to get 20% off of your beauty supplements. So their brand has grown like crazy. They have tons of different options for you when it comes to supplements. They have everything from omegas to probiotics to collagen to vitamins and nutrients that we don't always get in our food to so much more. They are trusted by me, TBB approved, because they fall into all the categories that are important to me, from non-GMO to sustainably sourced to pure and potent, gluten-free, premium quality, clinically proven. The list goes on. And along with all the Lyme supplements that I take every day, which I've timed myself, it takes me 25 minutes to take my morning supplements. So... That's crazy. Major herbal protocol, but it's definitely working. Um, a lot of those different supplements that I take in the morning are from Hum nutrition. So I take a bunch of different hum supplements from their daily cleanse, which offers great support for the liver to their red carpet, which is for glowing skin and shiny fuller hair. I take their glow, sweet glow, vegan gummy for skin hydration. And I also take all their omega supplements and once in a while, I use their collagen pop, which makes like a fizzy lemon rose water that tastes delicious when I feel like I need a little boost of collagen. If you don't like putting something in your water, they also have collagen pills. Collagen love is what it's called. So their branding is super cute. And if you don't know what type of supplement you're looking for, you can just head to their website and you can actually speak with a nutritionist on their website and ask them what they think would be best to support whatever you're going through with your health. So Hum Nutrition, head over there, use the code SOUL at checkout and enjoy. And without further ado, let's head into this episode with the beautiful Sahara Rose.
1: Okay, Sahara, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me in your beautiful,
0: minimalistic home. I know, it's so minimalist. It's life-changing to have gotten rid of so much stuff. But I am so happy that you're here. I feel like this has been one of the most long overdue podcasts I've ever done. And you've been such a patient and amazing friend because my life has been so weird for a year being so sick and being unable to make commitments in a usual way. But I knew that whenever we were able to get you on the podcast, it would be the perfect time. And here we are. It is the perfect time because your second book, Eat, Feel, Fresh, just came out yes. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely killing it. You are. I I feel like the leading voice in Ayurveda for our generation and that's such a beautiful thing. So say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit about
1: you. Oh, thank you so much for having me and hello everyone, Soul on Fire listeners. Um my name is Sahara Rose. So Basically, I've dedicated my life to Ayurveda. It started for me just like with you with my own health problems. Um, When I was a kid, I was really overweight and... I was addicted to junk food. My parents were both immigrants and I like didn't fit in with, you know, Western culture. I looked different. I had different color skin, but the one thing I could do is eat like everyone else. So I started to eat a lot of junk food, which made me gain weight, which made me eventually get really bad allergies and asthma. I couldn't play outside as a kid because every time I did, I'd get such a horrible asthma attack. I'd end up in the emergency room. So growing up, I was like, I hate outside, I hate nature, I hate healthy food, I hate all of this stuff. So I definitely did not grow up with these things whatsoever. And um, when I was like in middle school, I wanted to lose weight and fit in with the other middle school kids. And I read in Cosmo magazine that Jennifer Aniston does yoga and that's how she gets her, her Rachel from Friends Body. So I was like, okay, sign me up.
0: Wait, I think I read that same article back in the day. Yeah. It's like, like,
1: if she does yoga, yoga. I'm like, what up. is yoga? But I'm I'm in. Yes. So I had my mom drop me off at like a hot yoga studio. Again, I'm 12 years old. And for the first time I felt connected to my body, not trying to run away from it, not trying to run a mile on the obstacle course, but connected to it. So that kicked off um my kind of yearning for health, nutrition, all of that stuff. And I ended up traveling around the world, setting many health systems, which eventually later on in college led to me moving to India. Mm-hmm. And in India, I at this point had become a raw vegan, like yourself. Yes. And I was still a raw vegan in India, which is pretty much unheard of because there they used to call me the cow because they had never seen anyone eat like leaves off a tree before. <laughs> so they would call me the cow. And at first I felt really good on the raw vegan diet. But after like eight months, my health really started to deteriorate. So it started with really bad digestive issues. Like every time I ate, I was in so much pain and I was on the pillow, had gotten off. I didn't get my period for like six months, a year, two years. My hair started falling out. I lost a bunch of weight. I was always getting injured, always hurting my boi- uh, my bones and joints. I couldn't sleep at night. It would take me like four hours to fall asleep. I always was like, like anxious, but I didn't even know the word anxiety. I just thought like, that's just how my mind is. So I went to every kind of doctor you can imagine, gastroenterologists, endocrinologists, therapists, everything in between. And they just kept prescribing me more medications. Like, okay, just take birth control and you'll get your period. But I knew that that was not the solution. They even told me to take antidepressants for my digestion, which is a really sad thing that a lot of like gastroenterologists are telling people. Yeah. Have I they had told the same you that? thing.
0: I did go on them while I went on anxiety mm-hmm. medication for the stomach problems that mm-hmm. I was dealing with. And of course that didn't help. No. Uh, how old were you at
1: this point? So I was 21. So okay. all of this was happening and no one knew the answer, I tried so many diets and Nothing was getting to the root of what my issue is. And again, I thought these were all different problems. And I decided while I was in India, I'd visit an Ayurvedic doctor. I had heard of Ayurveda, but I wasn't really sure what it was. To be honest, I thought it was kind of like this like woo astrology thing. But I was like, okay, I've literally tried everything at this point. Let's just see what this Ayurvedic person has to say. And the moment I walked into that office, she said beta, which means daughter. She's like, oh, you're too pretty to never have baby. I'm like, huh? What? And she knew that I was infertile and told me that I was at risk of Alzheimer's and osteoporosis because my body had essentially just shut down. So I got a blood test, zero estrogen, zero testosterone, body in total menopause and like all of the systems in my body had shut off because I wasn't like getting the nourishment that I needed. But also mentally in my life, I had such a vata imbalance, which we can talk about, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was going to so many different directions. Every day I was like, I'm gonna be a jewelry designer, like I'm moving to Africa, like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make jewelry in Africa, like everything. And I and I thought that I was gonna be a human rights lawyer. And then I started to work in the like human rights offices, and I hated it because it was just like a desk job. So not only did I have this going on in my body, I had it going on in my mind. So when I learned about the Vata imbalance, the air imbalance. I was like, okay, this is just my autobiography. If I die, just read Vata. (laughs) And that is me right here. Yes, I'm even wearing my Vata. No, I'm not wearing my Vata AF shirt, but I have one. Um, And I felt so understood for the first time in my life, but the suggestions that she was giving me were not making sense for me. Like, ghee, the solution to everything and lots of rice, lots of lentils. And also I can only eat Indian food for the rest of my life. That's the only way I can be healthy. So Mm -hmm. I really long to follow the Ayurvedic guidelines, but I really needed a modernized approach that works for today's time. And that's how I began writing my first book.
0: Yes. And I can now bring up what I was saying to you before we started recording, which is I met you when you were working on your first book. At Equinox, while well, you weren't working on your book at Equinox, we met at a yoga event in Santa Monica, and you were telling me all about this book you were working on and this Ayurveda study that you were doing, studies, and basically said, "I'm working on this book. I don't have an agent. I don't have a publisher. I'm just writing the book, and i I just believe in it, and people need this information. And I remember you also mm-hmm. saying, just the hours that you were putting into it day after day after day after year. And I was pretty blown away by you as someone who I think my book had just come out. And I couldn't imagine writing a book without an a agent or anything or a publishing deal because it's so much work. And then to know maybe this won't go anywhere. Maybe nobody will believe in me. That's such a scary thing, which is still a feeling and a fear that you have, even when you do have a publisher, but your book just far surpassed probably even your wildest dreams. You've sold tens of thousands of copies over 50,000. Who knows at this point, how many maybe you do, but I'm just so proud of you and inspired by you. And Walk us back to that time when you were writing this book and nobody really believed in you yet, knew who you were, etc. How did you find that inspiration within yourself? Yes.
1: Like I literally, I want, I'm going to give this episode to everyone who listens to my podcast because I talk about this point in my life and people are like, no, I don't believe you. And you're living proof that that actually Right, no, I met existed. you. I was like, hey girl!" It was like four years ago. So yeah. at this time, four years ago, I had just found out that my boyfriend of four years was cheating on me, who I was living in India with his whole family. Oh my God. And I was in Bali trying to write this book. My parents were so disappointed in me for basically like dedicating my life to write this book. They didn't have a, I had never met an author. Like you're probably the first author I even met. (laughs) I had no idea what a, a publishing process even looked like, but I just knew that my health is being changed by, creating this modern approach. And most people are not going to go to India and figure this out on their own. And I knew instantly that download came through that I was going to be the one to bring this out, but I had no kind of person to like, look like the closest person was Deepak Chopra because he had written a book about Ayurveda in 1991 when I was born. Right. <laughs> and, and I was like, he's done it like a way long time ago, but that was the only person I had. And I remember like things with my family got so bad. Like it was to this point that when I was, I left, I lived in India for two years. I was studying Ayurveda. And I literally had given everything to it. And my parents were so angry that I wasn't getting a job, wasn't going down the path. and. I remember like being in my playroom where I used to play as a kid and hearing my parents just like screaming and shouting, like, what is she doing? This is your fault. And like, no, it's not my fault. Like she's out of touch with reality. Like she's crazy. And then my dad coming down and being like, you're a loser. You're a failure. You're the scum of the earth. We want nothing to do with you. And this is because I'm writing a book on Ayurveda, but more so that it was really coming from their deep fear that I would not be able to provide for myself, that I would go off on this path and I would never make it. And so they were saying, well, why can't you just be happy like doing what other people are doing? Why don't you just like become a real estate agent? Why don't you just like (laughs) go work a corporate job? Like, what are you looking for? And I kept just saying truth and they're like, what you're going to realize there's no such thing as what you're looking for. And you know, it's all because of Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like when your basic survival needs have not been met, all you can care about is survival. My parents were, my mom was a refugee and my dad was an immigrant. So for them, it's like survival. So they're not reaching self-actualization. The fact that I am didn't make sense to them. So... I remember being in that playroom, hearing my dad, the person who I literally spent my whole life trying to please and like, look at my good grades, look at this, look at that, say that I'm like a disgrace to him, a failure to him, that he wants nothing to do with me. And that is the moment that I became free. Because after that, if I have no one to please, I essentially died and now I'm an orphan and I have to parent myself, that the closest word is like, I don't know, can I swear on this podcast? (laughs) Like unfuck with a ball. Like there's nothing you can do now that can break me down because- I have nothing left anymore. So I might as well just go for it. And that is what provided me the strength to essentially figure out how this whole publishing thing works. When I met you, that book I was writing has never gotten published. That book was called Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. Oh my God. That book has never- I didn't realize that. That book has never been published, but it provided me with the strength and the wisdom that I needed that eventually I met a literary agent. We pitched the book to 30 different publishers. They all said no all of the fears in my mind. You're too young. No one cares about Ayurveda. You're not the right person for it. That was echoed back to me from all of them. So she was like, sorry, kid, we gave this a go, but it's not going to work out. And then I still, I still was imagining this book's going to be at Barnes and Nobles somehow. And then two days later, she gets a call from Penguin Random House, which is like the largest publishing company. And they're like, we're looking for someone to write the idiot's guide to Ayurveda. So this is part of like the idiot's guide series that's in like all the bookstores and whatnot. So basically long story short, she told them about me. They said she's too young, whatever. Um, But they were like, okay, if she were to write the table of contents, what would it be? and I had a week to do it. And that day I just channeled through, and this is not like a simple table of contents. This is like a 16 page, like to the paragraph table of contents. I just like spirit guides came through and I wrote that table of contents that day and I sent it back. They said, okay, let's see the first chapter. The next day I wrote that whole first chapter. And two days later I was hired to write this book, which you would think would be an amazing moment. But then I was like, oh shit what about my book? What about my approach? So I was basically like, okay, how am I going to write about Ayurveda without repeating myself in this way that I had originally written about it? So I was like in this weird debacle. And then I realized if I were to die next year, and this is the last book that would have been left for me, how would I want it to be written? So I really gave everything to that book. And then the moment that I was done with it, I was like, okay, now it's my turn to write my modern approach, which is eat, feel fresh. Hell
0: yes. (laughs) I love that so much. I think that's a common thing within the publishing world is they're looking for something very specific most of the time. And I ran into that with my book as well. And I ended up going with the publishing company who believed in my vision for my first book, which was good and bad because it was a small publishing company and there are lots of reasons why they instilled so much trust in me who didn't know quite what I was doing, but I knew what my vision was. And I'm happy that that was the journey and that it went the way that it did. But I see so much that when it comes to publishing and editors, they're really looking for something so specific that they they're not always so interested in your approach and maybe Absolutely. what you're so passionate about and what you came here to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why friends of ours who have self-published, I have so much respect for yeah. them because they get to just... Do it their way, Mm -hmm. and now with your second book, you've been able to do both—to share. This book's
1: published too by the same Penguin, right? No,
0: it's published. You've been able to work with a publishing company, yes. And I honestly would recommend,
1: yeah, and I honestly would recommend self-publishing for people because with the publishing, there's such which we were talking about. There's such a gap from the time you write it and the time it comes out. That oftentimes, what you want to talk about has changed in that year, especially with this rapid change in consciousness. So. For someone who's like, well, I don't have a literary agent. I don't know anything about this world. If I were to go back in time, I would have just self-published that book because then I would have been able to get the ball rolling because no one needs to choose. You can just choose yourself.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You never have to force someone to believe in what you're doing because If you believe in what you're doing, then you know there are people out there who need to hear that message and they really need it just as much as you do. I think that's why we write books is because we need what we're putting out there. And there are so many people out there who also need it, who are in very similar boats. So this second book, Eat Feel Fresh, is your modern approach to Ayurveda with tons of amazing recipes Very different from what you might find with really traditional Ayurveda with, like you said, all the grains and all the ghee and kind of this old school, I guess you could say, approach.
1: So how would you explain your approach? Mm -hmm. So I really looked at what do the people of today's time. So people who don't know what Ayurveda is, it's the world's oldest health system and the sister science of yoga based on mind-body connection. So if you're going to a yoga class because of your anxiety or your back hurts or you want to get more flexible, you are actually practicing Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is the predecessor of yoga because the ancient rishis and the yogic times, they said, well, if you have all of these physical and mental issues, how are you supposed to transcend the body and, and yoke connect with universal source consciousness? Your health has to come first. So Ayurveda means the knowledge of life. And for you to be healthy, you must have full knowledge of all areas of your life. So it looks at the body, the digestion, the skin, but also your your personality. And the point of all of it is not so you can have a gold star because you have perfect digestion or you have perfect health. It's so you can find your dharma your purpose on this planet, which is what Western medicine is missing. And you, you've you been going through this, but when you're sick, all you can think about is like, how can I get better? Mm-hmm. But with that health, you realize the health is the predecessor. It is the means to where your car is going. It's the gas you put in your car, but the true direction is your purpose. Yeah. Well, that is a beautiful
0: description for Those of us out there who are just kind of getting to know this way of life, Ayurveda, and I love that you're wearing your Do Your Dharma shirt. I think that's something that with our modern age, a lot of us are coming into our adulthood knowing that there's so much more for us out there than what you were saying for our parents. I mean, as a generational thing, so many of them, it's just making a means to an end and financial success and taking care of yourself. And it's not necessarily about exploring all these ethereal and spiritual parts of ourselves, finding our dharma, living our purpose, being passionate. So what would be your tips for people who are looking to live their dharma?
1: Yeah. So, well, first I'll just tell them because I totally forgot to answer the question of why this book is different. Oh, and then yeah. I'll tell you that. Tell us both. Um, so the way Eat Feel Fresh is different. As I looked at it from today's lens and how our society has changed so much, how our food industry has changed so much. So, 5,000 years ago in India, there was no Monsanto. There were no antibiotics and hormones and Epstein-Barr virus and all the great things that we got going on today. Uh, So they could eat a lot of grains and they didn't have to go for spirulina and chlorella and all these superfoods. They didn't need that because they were farmers and they just lived off the land and that was enough. And if you still travel in other rural parts of the world, that's still enough. But we are so bombarded by toxins, by chemtrails, by all of these things that we need to take a further Initiative to help alkalize our body. Most of us have a more acidic body, and we need to alkalize our body eating more alkaline foods like leafy greens and uh, different superfoods, etc. In ancient Ayurvedic times, they did not have avocados, chia seeds, goji berries they didn't have oil distillation processes, right? So how can we say that only foods that existed in ancient India are healthy? We can look at foods from an Ayurvedic guideline, but look at blue zones around the world, which are parts of the world with the world's longest lifespan where there are centurions. So this book has recipes from, you know, Vietnamese food, Mexican food, Japanese food with the same Ayurvedic guidelines. And the dairy, you know, in India, cows are revered. They are sacred. It's part of the Hinduism. It's part of religion. Um, So they had a cow that they put garlands of flowers on and they blessed and they prayed. So the milk of that cow really was holy. And they also didn't have another option for a healthy fat. Again, they didn't have those products available. So for them, it made total sense to take this beautiful milk of this beautiful cow and create this ghee. That was the best they had. But now we have other healthy fat options available to us and the cows are not treated the same way. So, You can still have the ghee, but to know that Ayurveda does not only have to look like that. They didn't have refrigerators in ancient India. So of course they would say, don't eat any raw foods or don't eat food that was cooked more than three hours ago. Of course, that makes sense when you don't have refrigerators or in India where you can't eat raw foods because of the parasites and bacteria in the soil. They say mushrooms are not allowed in Ayurveda. I really looked at that because we both love Four Sigmatic and we we love our mushrooms. Um, And that is actually because of the British rule the British, when they came in the, in India in the 19th century, there were a lot of psychedelic mushrooms growing. So they did not want people to ingest. Which we also the love. Psych- <laughs> Yeah, we love those. So they did not want people to ingest psychedelic mushrooms because they'll open up their third eyes and see how screwed up this is that some foreign country is controlling them. Yes. So they would say mushrooms are tamasic. They make you dull. They make you tired. Because probably someone's tripping on shrooms lying down. They're like, He's so tired. What's wrong with him? Also, it's really hot. It's not like the best environment to grow mushrooms. So a lot of them are poisonous. So they said, don't eat any mushrooms. So I went through all of the things Ayurveda says. What makes sense for today's time? What doesn't? But the core findings, the mind-body connection, the differences in our physiology, which in modern science, endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph, that's Vata, Pitta, Kapha. When you look at the different genotypes, they match the doshas. When we look that 95 of serotonin, happiness hormone is in the gut, that's the mind-body connection. So these guidelines are forever true, but the way that we can approach them is very different. And when you truly honor Ayurveda as a living and breathing science, that even looks different, in different Different parts of India, you'll see, of course, it's going to adapt for today's time.
0: Yeah. You're such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all of these things, because I do have people telling me quite frequently, well, if you look at Ayurveda, they say you shouldn't do the mushrooms and all this stuff. And I've always just tried to be intuitive with it and feel into how does Four Sigmatic, for example, make me feel, it makes me feel great. I've cut it out of my life for months at a time for when I was trying to figure out what is giving me these rashes all over my body. And I felt better with it. So, And that's he-
1: real Ayurveda in practice right. to listen to the body. To, to
0: be intuitive. Yeah. But also it's nice to know the history and you know all the background. So that's the first time I'm hearing that. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of us, we still look at things, even the doshas, we look at it from such a Western perspective. We're like, I'm a pitta. So let me like print out the pitta diet and only eat the pitta foods. And you're missing the point of Ayurveda.
0: Exactly. And I'm really happy to hear you say that because although I have not studied Ayurveda the way that you have, I've been interested in it for years years. I started doing panchakarma when people were like, "What the hell is that?" I mean, I think most people still say, "What the hell is that?" But um, I found Ayurveda through my therapist when I was in college, and I was so lucky that he was—he was this psychiatrist who was going through this really integrative transition in his life, and he looked at me from head to toe riddled with anxiety on every single type of medication you can imagine for insomnia, anxiety, depression, gut issues, the list goes on. And he was like, you know, I've just started working with this Ayurvedic practitioner. You should check her out. And I did and did the Panchakarma, learned a lot about the doshas and whatnot. And I find just from all those years of really loving ayurveda and practicing it and then finding Surya Spa and you and all these really amazing teachers um when i hear people talking about their doshas as if it's like a club like yeah. the pitta club or like oh my god i'm a vata so i can't eat that i just want to tell them sometimes like There's so much more to it. Yeah. We are all tridoshic or maybe that's not the right word, but we have all three doshas within us. And then there's all the subcategories and the seasons of our life. Like how we were talking about me thinking that I was a pitta, but really I'm more of a vata with this pitta imbalance. Mm -hmm. So maybe you
1: could enlighten us on all of that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, we are born with something called our Prakriti, which is our natural born constitution. That's basically the deck of cards that you were handed. So you may have born primarily Vata, secondarily Pitta, lastly Kapha, but then life happens. So you, for example, you were, you know, in New York getting a lot done, like in college, getting your master's. So your Pitta is going to go up. In the middle ages of our life, naturally our Pitta goes up. Earth is like, okay, you need some fire because you're like figuring out your life right now. So all of our pittas go up, but what happens, especially in our society and especially in cities like New York, the pitta goes way too far out of balance. So when your pitta is really high, and I do think you do have a good amount of pitta in your prakriti, but I feel like you're more vata in in your truth, um, the pitta creates a lot of sensitivities. So the rashes, hives, rosacea, irritations, you suddenly become really sensitive to things, which was happening to you when you were in college, right? You were on all these medications and just everything you felt like you needed. Actually, your body was intuitively telling you, I need a juice cleanse because you were so inflamed from within. That was your intuition working. So your pitta was out of balance. And when pitta is out of balance in the body, it creates pitta in the mind fire in the mind. So fire, fiery personality is like, I know what I want. I'm going to go get it. They're scheduled. They're routine. They're organized. They're structured. They have like their Q1 to Q4 goals. And like, they are going to hit them. Yeah. That's not me. Right. But you were operating like a Pitta. So you were co-creating this Pitta in balance. So then if an Ayurvedic practitioner saw you at that time, they say Pitta's out of balance, which is the truth. It was too high, but in your truth, in your core, which I can tell one from the shape of your face, you do have a more vata phase vata features skin i mean just your essence is very vata very airy your libra i wonder what your vedic astrological sign i don't know if you've looked into I that. i don't
0: know i would I you need can to see look your primary it.
1: dosha in vedic astrology as well
0: interesting mm-hmm. is that something i can look up online or need you need to, to work with a
1: vedic and i can give you referral oh, please. Yeah.
0: yeah well maybe um, just give it here because other yeah. people may want
1: yeah to i know. love dr suhas kashir Sagar. he's been on my podcast twice He's amazing. he's Deepak connected me with him. He's Deepak's doctor and he's amazing. Nice. He's in Santa Cruz, but he does Skype consultations. Shout out. I'm gonna
0: be in Santa Cruz Doctor, a few weeks. You should go Maybe visit I him. I can reach out he's, to him. He's
1: amazing. And he's very good at the pulse reading as well. So what's your Vedic sign? Yeah, so I'm very close to all three doshas. Like I was actually born close. I was born Pitta Vata Kapha, but now I'm still highest in Vata. I had a Vata imbalance for many years. I actually like being in the Vata space. Like I let my Vata stay a little higher because I don't, I'm definitely not a super organized structured person, but like I can, I can get there, but it feels really hot and heavy. And I, I feel like my highest self is not in that place, but my pitta definitely comes through when I'm speaking. I am very passionate person. If yes, I, you are. know, writing this book, I had to like really channel my pitta. But before I was like vata AF, I was like, not sure what I want to do, thinking of different ideas, but not able to move through. Um, so if you're feeling really vata, you're probably like, someone who can imagine themselves in a lot of different roles, but maybe it's really hard for you to start taking action. Mm-hmm. So you need to move into the pitta, even if you don't know if this is your dharma, your life purpose, even if you don't know how it's gonna work out, you just need to start putting some stake in the game. Cause when there's stake in the game, you can't back out. And what happens a lot of times with the Vantas is they have all these ideas, but since they haven't began manifesting them, it's really easy to quit or to get excited about something else. But when you're mm-hmm. knee deep in a book or any any other kind of project, you can't quit. That's so true.
0: So interesting to hear you talk about this because I can see clearly that I was so Pitta yeah. and definitely Pitta imbalanced, in Pitta inflamed, all those things. But I had a really easy time getting things done, manifesting, bringing things to life from my blog to my podcast, to my book, to relationships, friendships, like everything. Yeah. And lately, everything I really want seems out of reach. Like, mm-hmm. Not that it's actually out of reach, it's just I've filled my life with other things that mm-hmm. may not be serving me the way that they once did. Yes. So like I was explaining to you before we started podcasting, I'm about to take a break, which is the first time I've mentioned this here on the podcast and I'll get more into it soon. But I need to create space for those new things that I'm so ready to be knee deep in and call into my life and just create. And I guess I must be really Vata right now in that space, because everything's like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm starting this. It's like the stop, start mentality, which is really hard Mm -hmm. not to mention being so sick. Like Mm -hmm. what kind of dosha do you feel like Lyme disease falls into? Is that inflammation, like what would, what's your gut saying about that? Definitely
1: through Pitta because it is, it's a virus, it's a sensitivity, it's a reaction. Anything that's causing that is through the pitta dosha. Um, you know. And there's a lot of people who talk about Lyme, like, is it really made from like the tick or are there other causes right. that are actually internal that are induced from different stress factors in our lives that can create this? And is this really an illness or rather a series of symptoms?
0: Right. I know. I, I love that you know that because a lot of people who don't have Lyme, like, don't really know hardly anything about it, including myself before I was diagnosed. And it's interesting that you bring that up because people like the medical medium who I love, he would say Lyme has nothing to do with being bitten by a tick. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not turned off. I, I, I'm not, like, anti any belief. I'm really open to whatever... I think people can develop things like Lyme in different ways and I'm definitely on board with everything that he says because I do feel like for me, it's really been flared up by stress, caused by stress, caused by being so on with social media and like you were saying, the energy of like people... Being so invested in my life, which I'm very honored to have, but it's also too much for a really weak, sick person. So I hate to call myself weak, but I feel like
1: i that's just the reality right now and that's okay. Yes. And you're really intuitive in knowing that because when you're so in the pitta to get to the vata, you need to move through the kapha. And this is where a lot of people feel resistant. They feel resist. The kapha is the earth. It is the pause. It is the sacred space between the inhale and the exhale. And we fear that so much. We fear if I put a hiatus on my social media, then people are going to forget about me. Or if I shut down my business, I'm going to go broke. Or if I don't stay relevant, then who's going to care about me anymore? So we fear this pause. But as we've all seen, you know, your poetry, does it come to you when you're like in front of your laptop, like, come on, source, give me a poem? Or is it when you take a walk or take a bath or do something else? Right. Yeah. That is such... Such a good point because
0: we all know it is not from those moments of stress, sitting in front of email, doing all these things that I should quote unquote be doing to maybe stay in that traditional masculine way of life, things that I've learned from my dad, who's one of the biggest entrepreneurial, successful um, mentors in my life, but also is the reason, and I think all of us, many of us can say this about our parents, like the reason why I have not been able to really listen to my heart and soul and depart from social media and my brand for a while and live my truth, live my dharma, live my human design, which is a reflector for people. Who might not know, and I know that you, Sahara, are a projector. So how do you feel
1: like things like human design work with Ayurveda? Yeah, I see a lot of parallels. So projectors, if you think about that, they sort of are looking from a bird's eye perspective, just like Vata energy. So they're seeing things that others cannot, but they may not have the energy and the drive, the agni, the fire, the pitta, To create them. They can get there, but that's not how they best operate. And a lot of projectors are operating like generators. A lot of vatas are operating like pittas because our society is so pitta and we are dealing with a global pitta epidemic. Mm -hmm. The inflammation in ourselves is creating inflammation in society, which is creating this gun violence, war, hatred, anger. It's created this ripple effect. So now we are seeing through moving into the Kafa like where everyone's truth is. So the vatas are very much the projectors who are here to guide, um, but not necessarily like, like have that warrior like energy to execute. The pittas have that. I see generators, very pitta, but also manifestors very Pitta. So they're really like doing, 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 like getting things done. That's not hard for them. That's actually how they best operate. That's how they find their purpose. And they love working in teams, collaborating. Um, they want to feel like something, part of something bigger. Um, the reflector, I see them having to live more Kapha lives connected to nature. Kapha has the water element in it. Reflector, very watery. Um, So allowing yourself to, you know, listen to the earth. What are the messages that she has for you? And being that conduit between the unseen and the seen. I think that is really where reflectors come through. My brother is a reflector as well. No way. Mm -hmm. And my everyone in my family a projector and it made so much sense because we would go to like weddings as kids and he would just be hysterically crying and right. I'm like what's wrong with you but it, and he's not operating for that but you know for example writing poetry that's a beautiful place for a reflector to be but I always tell you I'm like you should move to Ohio." but like living I by know. the land
0: you just know me yes. you just get it like everything I'm thinking for my own life
1: you say it <laughs> first like before, because it it it's like even right here in, in the Akashic records and it's so obvious and right. you already
0: Right. Oh yeah. And you were the one who taught me about the Akashic records too. And you have such access to your intuition and just, you can see so far beyond what is, what meets the
1: eye. Um, Which we all can. We We all have the capacity to. It just takes getting out of our stories. Right.
0: And you've done the work to get to that point you saw me like kind of moving to Ohi and opening a wellness center or spending time in Kauai mm-hmm. and writing a poetry book. And these are things
1: like Kauai, this is what my soul I, wants. Kauai, I don't think is a full-time place for you because it's so watery. You're just going to get too watery there. Right. I see Ohi because of the dryness. It's going to balance you. I see you in places that have like pale pink flowers and flowers fields and a lot of like light and air and moving also that is an energy vortex and opening up a healing center there. I really think that's what's going to, after you overcome all of this, you're going to know exactly what it's like. And that's really going to put you in a position of relating to people.
0: Right. Absolutely. And like we were saying before we started recording, I'm in the shitty part of my story. So like, the memoir that is yet to be written. I'm just in the thick of it. And personally, I don't feel like that's the best time to be podcasting and to be putting my energy into the universe because I'm just so low
1: energy. I'm not myself. And the U 2.0 is only going to emerge when you move through the kafa.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This is so beautiful. Now I know why you're finally here on the podcast and why things have taken so long (laughs) because you're here to tell me to move through the kafa and not just me. This is a message for everybody listening, whether it be needing more kafa in your life or needing more pitta or needing more vata. Yeah, because
1: some people are too in the kafa too. Right, exactly. Some people are like waiting to be ready, waiting. I need to sign up for another course. I need to do another, get a master's. I need this. I need that. And you're never going to be ready you know, were you ready to write your book? No. Were you ready to start this podcast? No, but you just have to move through the unknown to do it. So if you're really in your kafa, you may be like, oh, my job's fine. I don't, cause kafa is really chill. So it's like, it's fine. I mean, I don't love it, but it's okay. Or, oh yeah, we've just been dating for five years. I mean, we have nothing in common, but online dating is just too much. (laughs) And that's when you have to start dreaming. Because through the kafa, I can't be Gary V and be like, "Yo, get shit done." Like that's going to be too much for the kafa. Absolutely, you have to move into the dreaming. What is it that you really want? What would your dream life look like? What would your dream health look like? Get into that place of dreaming, and then naturally, the idea will download through the chakras, and that will give you the direction that you need to move with the pitta oftentimes we don't wait for the idea we start to move and we're executing on an idea that is not in alignment with our truth
0: mm. that was beautiful what you just said that was for sure channeled like that is just in that's just i was gonna say insane but it's not it's it's perfect it's exactly what i needed to hear and probably a lot of other people too Okay, just a brief interruption from this conversation with Sahara to talk about our second sponsor for today's episode, Thrive Market. So I'm very excited because I just completed my selects page on thrivemarket.com where you can head over and see all of my favorites on Thrive, which is so much, so many things considering the fact that I literally get everything on Thrive Market. So you can head to thrivemarket.com slash blonde to check out all of my favorites from Thrive Market brand cacao powder to Eating Evolved Midnight Dark Chocolate to Cocoa skincare my friend Priscilla started that company and it's some of the only skincare that I use two artisana coconut butter primal kitchen vegan dressings that are made with avocado oil my tongue scraper which is something that I know Sahara would be into given that tongue scraping is an ancient ayurvedic practice um I also use Ayurvedic mouthwash and Ayurvedic sandalwood soap that has turmeric in it. So head over to thrivemarket.com slash blonde to check all of that out and also to get $25 off your first order plus a free 30-day trial on Thrive. So just to tell you a little bit about Thrive, Thrive is an online marketplace with a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. So they're able to basically take down the prices on all of these different premium products that you would buy at the grocery store or a drugstore or all over the place but you can get them on Thrive for between 25 to 50% off of where you would find them elsewhere. So it's kind of crazy. And that's because they go directly to each brand rather than having a middleman where you have to end up marking up all the pricing. And we as consumers just get ripped off a lot of the time. So Thrive Market is a very affordable, cost-friendly place to shop Premium products, because of course, we don't want to cut the integrity in half just because we're cutting the price in half. And that's what I love about Thrive Market. So you can get everything you need there from non GMO food and snacks to vitamins and supplements, personal care products, home goods, non toxic beauty products, kitchen staples, even cat food. I get Hudson's cat food on there baby food, dog food. They have a little bit of everything for everyone. So head to thrivemarket.com slash blonde to check out my favorites and get 25% off of your first order plus a free 30-day trial. Do you feel like you're living your dream life right now or what would be your dream life if you're not currently living it?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, clearly all of the, you know, this week, as you saw, I was in three different cities. I spoke on 18 TV shows in one day. Right. Okay. How? Insane. (laughs) My sick self right now literally can't imagine such a thing. Because the energy is not coming from me. It is coming through me. It is source energy, which is infinite. And I am just tapping into that. So you know, I haven't just had a coconut water today and I'm like full power because I'm being fed by something that's so much greater than me. It is more nourishing than any food, any chocolate, any, anything can ever provide me with. And that is being in alignment with your truth. How do you access that? That is through self-awareness through, you know, a lot of people they've never asked themselves like, why, like, why am I doing this? Why am I showing up? Like, what is the point? And to get to that, why you're going to have to also go through the shadows of like, you know, I'm not going to live forever. Everyone that I'm going to meet is eventually going to disappear. So what is my why of still moving through this? And when you get to that, and you realize that you were assigned here on this planet for a specific purpose, that only your incarnated soul can fulfill. And by not rising up to that, you're doing a disservice, not only to yourself, but to mankind. So when you realize that, you know, you have the gift of, of sharing, you have a massive capacity of being able to take feedback from others. A lot of people cannot do that. That is a superpower that you have Jordan because you are meant in a way to be this sharer, the storyteller through your own personal life in your past life. I believe you were some sort of medicine woman, sharing wisdom to people like by fires. I can see that for you. So we all were incarnated here for different reasons. So when you are able to tap into the fabric of your soul, your blueprint, your doshic constitution, and then you start to take that walk, things start to move fast and opportunities that you couldn't even have created for yourself start to happen like, I walked up to Deepak Chopra at a conference and he wrote the forward of both my books and is my mentor. Like what that I couldn't have planned that, you know?
0: Not at all. And well, first of all, for people who don't know like your whole story with Deepak, we have to tell it. But I just want to say before that, like manifesting is so real and you manifested this mentorship Mm -hmm. friendship Texting basis, literally like friends with Deepak Chopra. Not like friends. You are friends, and he believes in you so much, and he knows that you're carrying the torch of Ayurveda, and it's beautiful. And I've definitely had that with manifesting certain things where
1: you would believe.
0: Yeah, Gwyneth. Like yeah. Gwyneth is literally my idol in life, and I still don't believe it that we have. Friendship that she follows me on Instagram that she congratulated me on my engagement like these things where I mean I idolize this woman and you couldn't have I could not have I couldn't have planned like you know getting to but know you her. You
1: shifted your vibration to match her vibration and that's how you connected. Exactly, that's all it is. No,
0: exactly, and other things like. Jonathan asking me, who's your dream guest on your podcast? And this was like a year and a half ago. And me saying, as crazy as this might sound because this person isn't like Oprah
1: or anything, Trevor Hall, the Stop singer. because <laughs> <I'm dying. laughs> on my drive here, Spirit told me, listen to Trevor Hall to get on her element.
0: Oh and my listen, God. Like I'll show you my phone. I yeah, was listening I to all Trevor you. Hall. No, I and I like, never listened to him. But oh I, something told me, it was
1: like, you need to listen to Trevor Hall first. Trevor
0: is my... It's my everything. Like his music is my medicine. I totally believe that. It literally actually is your
1: vibration because it prepared me by listening to him for you. Like we were
0: connected in a past life. Whatever kind of medicine he brings through his music is what I need to
1: heal. I feel like maybe you and him will like make a song with your poetry and he's singing it.
0: Oh my God. I would be so happy. So- Basically, I said out loud, Trevor is my dream guest. I really want that to happen. I would choose Trevor over any A-list celebrity like Trevor. I just want him <laughs> on my podcast. And the next day, um, his manager reached out to me and said, like, he has this new album, blah, blah, Um, would you be open to having him on your podcast? And I dropped dead. I was like, please. And now he's been on three times and I'm friendly with his... not manager, but some kind of, she works with him, publicist, Krista. I hope you're listening. Krista. I definitely think he's going to
1: make a song and, with your poetry. Yeah.
0: And so my current goal... Is that what you
1: guys are well, thinking about? I mean,
0: <laughs> that is like next level. Yes. I, yes. Like, please, Trevor, be open to that. But I want him to sing at my wedding. Oh, yeah. And sing as I walk down the aisle and not necessarily be like our wedding talent. Like, I wouldn't even put that on him. He's too sacred to me to... Mm-hmm perform like as our band uh, unless he wanted to that will Definitely, happen. I just want him to sing as I walk down the aisle and I've asked him and he's super flattered and the fact that like the message even reached him is enough for me to be happy and hopefully the dates work out and he's not not going to be on tour um, but all I want is for Trevor to sing as I walk down the aisle and these are things that like if you speak what you want into the universe and it's in your vibration and you're aligned with it it happens and and, and and
1: realizing you're worth it too. Right,
0: you're worth it. I mean, I was terrified to send through this message. Trevor, I know you're an extremely busy person. Your tour is probably your priority. That was like and, my
1: message to Deepak right, too. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm
0: getting married and when I close my eyes and envision my wedding you're singing as I walk down the aisle, and you're standing up there with me and my future husband. And I'm marrying you, right? Of- right, no, exactly. <laughs> and then we can get married. Yeah. And like, I even idolize your wife, but like, <laughs> I'm I'm open to anything. And um, and to have him his response be like, "Oh my god," I mean, he gets asked this kind of thing all the time. Like, deeply flattered in a real way because he's a humble, amazing soul. That, like I said, is enough for me. So whether the answer is yes or it just can't happen for whatever reason, the fact that I was able to even ask him is beautiful to I me. think it will happen. Oh, me too. I mean,
1: it's happening. Yes. I would change my wedding Congratulations. I would Trevor's lose my at your wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Just start you. imagining as if it already happened. That's right. a trick that I do. Right. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm before the book came out. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad everyone's enjoying the book and it's getting, cause I had so many fears come bringing out the book about like, you know, old school Ayurveda people. So I kept on just imagining if it already happened. So tell yourself like, Oh yeah. Trevor I'm sang so, sang so beautifully. at, at our my wedding. wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it was everyone's favorite part of the ceremony. I was crying. And also make it bigger than you. That's another thing with manifestation. We make it all about ourselves. So when I was manifesting Deepak writing the forward of my book, I was really setting the intention of if he wrote the forward of my book, this is going to help this work reach more people Mm -hmm. and this will instill more trust. And this will, this is so much bigger than me. This is using the platform of who people kind of Think he is with the platform of this. So, taking it out of yourself and showing how this benefits humanity because the universe wants humanity to flourish. Exactly. So, talk about how your guests, how it's going to help them. It's going to give them more present experience. That's what
0: I want because what I really want, like the only reason, I mean, not the only reason, but a really large reason that we're even having a wedding, like a real wedding with like all these guests and the whole thing Mm -hmm. is because love is so important to me. I think it's the most important thing on this planet. And to be able to share with people that I love this deep romantic otherworldly love that I have with Jonathan and capture this moment that all of our guests, our family, our friends will remember. That's all I want. It's not about, I don't care about having flowers or the food, like whatever happens happens but this feeling of deep transcendent soul connection i want that for not only everybody who's coming to my wedding but you know i'm a blogger this will be on video there will be photos i want this to reach people and for them to see this is love and that's so much bigger than me so much bigger than jonathan it inspires and people yeah <laughs> when
1: they see like people in happy relationships, even when you're not in a relationship, it brings up your vibration because it shows you what is possible.
0: Right. Exactly. So before we get talking about weddings and I want to talk about yours too, mm-hmm.
1: tell us the Deepak story. Yeah. It's a it's a long story. <laughs> you I'll try to shorten tell, it like, as much brief, as possible because probably um, a lot of
0: people to follow you.
1: Yeah. Basically I had always looked up to Deepak my whole life when things were going so bad with my parents. I'd be like one day I'm going to be friends with Deepak Chopra. And they're like, you are a little crazy person. (laughs) Um, And then I, when I wrote idiot sky, I was like imagining like, how would I ever get it to Deepak? And, you know, I had no connection to him. Um, So I was at this conference and, it was he was not a speaker there. And I remember what was the
0: conference?
1: It was a yoga and science conference at Long Island University that like someone that I met on Instagram invited me to. I was like, Okay, sure. And <laughs> Being I opened. Yeah. To so I went and I remember it's like all of this research, like why breathing is good for you. And I'm like, Okay, I don't need the research. Like I just know breathing is good for you. And I remember thinking in my head, like, Okay, I'm gonna leave when it's lunch break. Cause the only thing that can make right now really lit is if Deepak Chopra walks on stage and i was like, just pretty much always thinking about him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> No, um, I get it. And, and they're like, okay, it's lunch break. Oh, and here's our sponsor Deepak Chopra. And he walks on stage. And you didn't know he, he was there? No. And he just goes, hello. And he walks off. Oh. And I knew this is probably the only time in your life that you're going to see this person in real life. So you need to go for it. So I walk through a crowd of a thousand people. I walk onto the stage where the speakers are. I go backstage. I see him. I a full he's, body chill. He's talking to full someone. Full chills. I'm like, holy shit, that's Deepak Chopra. Like, Ooh. and I just stand next to him until he's done talking. And then he looks at me like, okay. And I'm like, Hi, Dr. Chopra. My name is Sahara Rose. And I like, basically, I'm like, start profusely talking about how I like stalked every member of his family. And like his like, nef- his grandson goes to school with my cousin, blah, blah, blah. And oh I was like, my God, yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> and I wrote this book, um, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. It would mean so much to me to send it to you for, to take a look at. He's like, okay, sure. And he gives me his email and I'm like, Like I have Deepak Chopra's email. This is the highlight of my life. (laughs) Like, and so I told my friend and I was like, I'm going to send him my book and like, maybe he'll write a quote for it. And then she was like, well, what would you really want if anything could happen? And I'm like, I don't know. Like he wrote the forward of my book. And she's like, why don't you ask for that? I'm like, I can't ask someone I just met to write the forward of my book. Like, That's a big deal. And she was like, she's all into like Abraham Hicks. And she's like, just imagine, imagine it. So I was like doing Me some too. major Kundalini stuff, like staring at his picture, like, like doing yeah. everything, like like praying for our souls to like unite like all this stuff. And I sent him the book and um, he like, he responded super fast and he was like, yeah, I love it. And then I, and I asked him to write a quote and he's like, I'll write a quote and this is where it gets cray. So I was just so happy to have a quote from him. And my book was going to print on Monday. This is like Saturday. Um, and I had kind of thought about the four thing in my head, but I was never going to ask him for something like that. So I was in New York in such a rush crossing the street, eating while I was crossing the street, like late for my meeting. And this homeless guy's like, Hey, can someone help me cross the street? So I like look over at him and I'm like, okay, this voice came over me that's like, Sahara, if you think you're such a good person, you would help this like old homeless man cross the street. So I go back to the street and I take this old man and he's like, actually, will you take me two blocks down and put me in the subway and I was like, okay, sure. So I'm taking him, I start talking to him. Turns out he was a refugee from the Iraqi war and he had two sons that they lived in LA. And like, we were just talking and we were actually having a nice conversation. And I put him in the train and I'm like, by the way, what do you do? Like, where are you going? And he's like, oh, I'm actually a doctor of physics and the elevator shuts. And I remember thinking like, wow, I totally judged this guy. I thought he was just like a homeless guy and he's a doctor of physics. So I remember walking thinking like, I just love that interaction. And then I look through my, I look at my email and it's the message from Deepak saying, what's your number? I want to call you. And I'm like, <gasps> oh my God, full body. Chill. And I'm like, October, the voice of god this is like morgan freeman trying no, to call literally <laughs> so i'm like oh this is it and he calls me and he's like i love your book what are you doing tomorrow Stop. i'm gonna be in san diego i was going to la that night and he was like meet me in san diego i want to talk to you and and like pretty much like just get to know your story better oh my god i'm crying. So, you. and I was happening to go to LA that night. So I like flew back to LA, like drove in the morning down to San Diego. And I remember sitting in that crowd. He gave a four hour lecture. I was like having a panic attack the whole time. Oh, I'm sure. I had never even been that close to him that I was freaking out. And then he gets off stage and he just points at me. He's like, come on. And I'm like, oh my, God, oh my God, Oh my God. So we like go into his room and there's like, his like team is there and they are like asking me like, so what do you do this, that like just getting to know me. And then he's like, I love what you're doing. I'd love to write the forward of your book and have you on faculty of Jaya, which is his like wellness platform. And then from there, we did a 31 day challenge together and I did a chat like the channel with him and like gone to so many different workshops and interviewed him on my podcast. And he texts me like pictures of his dog singing and like oh, funny things like that. God, and, like, he's best. like literally, it was his birthday the other day. He's also a Libra. Oh my God, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Every day I learn about a new Libra that I idolize. Yes. Gwyneth. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. So all of this really happened one because of the intention, but two, it really has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with him. Exactly, And it just has to do with our soul entities having a contract before incarnating here on this planet that we will be able to spread each other's message. He will be able to take Ayurveda further because of the trust he instills. But also I will bring him back to millennials because a lot of young people have never heard of him. You're like, yeah. who is this person? You guys are freaking out. I about? mean, I have, I've been obsessed with him forever. You'd be surprised how many people in their twenties never no, heard of I've, him.
0: I believe you. I think I only knew about him because my parents were, um, my mom. Okay. Not first, not to diminish the story that you just told. Like mm-hmm. that is so beautiful. And I I do think even though I agree with you that it has nothing to do with you, you have to give yourself credit that it does because you've done so much inner work to even tap into what your soul is here to do. And that could have been bypassed. You could be a real estate agent right now. like It does have a lot to do with you. And that's really powerful too beautiful and so much to do with him. I mean, he's done more inner work than anyone I've ever heard of. And he's listening to him on your podcast. He's, he is a God. He's like a guru, (laughs) like the words that come out of his mouth. I feel like nothing comes out of his mouth that isn't just, he's so eloquent and it's just like bite-sized mantras. That was the whole podcast episode you did with him, which everybody should go listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is I think I first learned of him when I was in high school because he was involved with this drink called Zri. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he he probably is no longer involved, but he was. And it, it is like a network marketing company, but it's just this really powerful antioxidant drink mm-hmm. that my parents started drinking because of their friend was in the network marketing company, but it like cured my mom's um, colitis, mm. you know, like bleeding of the bowels. Amazing. <laughs> Painful. Um, and I remember being in high school and my parents would drink this drink every night. And they said, this man, Deepak Chopra, is he was like on the board or whatever it was. It's this really powerful superfood drink before people were talking about superfoods. Mm. And I looked him up. Was and it I like
1: said, noni juice?
0: I think so. I remember that was like a big thing. I mean, they still drink it. My parents still, it's this, my friends will come over, like my friends who I grew up with and they will crack up because they see the Zuri and they're like, you guys still drink this? It's like just this hilarious branded thing, but it's so good for you. Mm -hmm. Full of like pomegranate juice and from, I don't know, they get the superfoods from wherever i should learn more about it i don't know i just know it's helped
1: my mom should join their team with her health problems yeah i know so much
0: um and i drink it it's like the most sugary thing i put into my body it's full of sugar but Mm. good stuff for you um anyway deepak was involved and there was a period of time where i thought he was like going to come to our house for this event I don't think he did, but other people from, I mean, I know he didn't, but other people from Zuri did. And long story short, I started reading his books and he was the first person who opened me up to this universal consciousness of maybe we are more than just humans. And I can credit him for that forever. And it's just so beautiful that you and him have this amazing contract of souls where you've manifested so much and there's so much more to come with the two of you. And I remember like after meeting you at Equinox and then just having mutual friends and seeing you and passing all the time, I remember seeing you at um, Tantris and you saying you should come to my event with Deepak here in a couple weeks. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Are you kidding me? And then I was sadly out of town, but that was such an amazing thing that you brought into existence.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we like have these people on our soul teams that like before we came here and you just find them and you're like, okay, let's go. We got work to do. yeah And that's pretty much just what happened. And and there's so many other people that I'm going to meet and that we're all going to meet that you're just, you meet even for a period of time and you have real work to put out there into the planet. And sometimes that soul contract is done and sometimes it's a lifetime.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, when you were talking about that story and walking the man across the street in new york i was looking at your face and your face was changing into the face of your soul like not quite what you look like as a human but like just this rounder like gold golden energy was coming Mm -hmm. out of you and i was kind of just looking at your eyes and i saw you in a very powerful light. And it was very cool.
1: Mm,
0: thank you for that. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: sunbeam coming out. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing when we really look at someone's face and seeing it shift and take different, you know, forms. So cool. And, and just seeing that we all come forth with all of these different experiences. You can call them past lives. You can call them soul contracts, whatever. But it's like, we're like living out different dharmas within this life. And then that experience was like meant to take you somewhere else and meant to take you somewhere else. It's like this red thread that is putting together all of the experiences of your life. And if you can just follow that red thread, follow the flow, follow like your email crashing or like things like that. Sometimes I pick up my phone, my Instagram just crashes. I'm like, spirit, I get it. But if you can just follow that path, imagine if that is exactly where you need to be going, you fall into Kriya, effortless flow. Mm -hmm. And then it's no longer a struggle. It's no longer like you're paddling uphill and you can finally just surrender. And that doesn't mean you stop working per se. It may be for a period of time, but it means moving to the direction that the universe is pushing you towards. Yes, yes.
0: Yes. Seriously, I I couldn't agree more. And this morning was the first time that I've woken up in a long time happy for the day ahead of me because I've just been tied to so many commitments that no longer serve me. I have no energy to live my life, whether it be like see people that I love or have to do things that I don't want to do. I don't have energy for hardly any of it. So this Can morning... Can I tell them the vision I saw for you, by the way? Oh, please. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and finish um, it oh, up this anyway, morning. Yeah. I,
0: all I have today is this with you. And I mean, this is like one of my very final podcast episodes that will be new for a while, for a little while. And something about that closing chapter feels so good. And my email is not working and everything in the universe is pushing me to stop and closed down with the technology and I don't know I was just so happy when I woke up and you are a big part of that so I'm glad you're here.
1: Yeah, I mean really the message that I'm seeing for you is you're going to move into this period of vast space and you're going to get really frustrated a lot of times in it too because you're going to be like why am I doing this to myself and you're going to you know want to pick up your phone or pick up your email and like be doing it again and if you can just sit into that sit, you know, it's like when it's and you really want to like get up and go on with your day. And if you can just sit in that longer, you get into a deeper level of rest. This is going to be like the next few months for you. And it's really like, how deep can you go? And the deeper that you can go, the deeper the work on the other side is going to come through. And that will be your poetry book. Mm. And you're going to write a poetry book. Again, I see the pale pink color. I think that's a really like powerful color for you and butterflies and you're going to come out with this poetry book and it's going to be a total shift for your brand and it's going to you're going to be talking more about what is channeling through versus what is happening in this physical plane wow
0: speechless (laughs) speechless because i feel that too less
1: of a reporter and more of a channeler right
0: that makes so much sense. Yeah. Because I've never felt like I was meant to be a reporter mm-hmm. or a lot of what I've become. And I'm happy to do it. And it's been a lot of fun. And I believe mm-hmm. so much in timing and this succession of things that happen in our life to bring us to where we are.
1: And you're going to inspire a lot of people to take a break. too. Right. Oh, I can't wait to inspire people to take a break. I yeah. think it's what
0: has to happen. Mm-hmm. Especially for non-energy beings like us, projectors and reflectors. Mm -hmm. But maybe energy beings need it just as much as
1: we do. Right. But I see it so clearly, and I have this. Oh, something else just came through. So you're opening a healing center in Ojai (gasps) later, but in this healing shells, but head to toe, yeah. And I told you this like last year. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. You did. I was just like having fun in Ohio, and you're like, you're
0: opening a healing center You're and opening moving a healing center, center in Ohio. Yes. Yeah, you're
1: going to move there and it's going to be really good because it's not too far from LA because I feel like Jonathan still has like a work and stuff and he like really wants yeah, to be here 100%. and like more in the masculine and the doing and, but so it's very close, but you're actually going to have poetry workshops there and you're going to be helping people with their healing, move through it through poetry and you're going to be teaching poetry workshops pretty much all over once that health is healed. And like teaching people how to go through whatever their illness is, whatever their pain is and take that essence and turn that into art. Oh my god! And the butterfly too, the cocoon to the butterfly. Right, Yeah. yeah.
0: I feel like that is so me right now. I'm so in the cocoon and butterflies are following me everywhere holy shit, you're good. You see things. (laughs) I want that. I mean, that's like, you're living your dream life and it's so clear. And I I was, and that was like, you know, something I was so proud of and that's all I want for everybody. And you
1: still are, you're just at a different chapter of it.
0: Right, exactly. And I have to let some things go and I have to do things that are really scary to me they're not even scary anymore, but they have been scary. Like to walk away from so much of what I've built in order to step into what's next. A
1: novel also. Yeah, yeah a novel. Definitely a novel, but I feel like a novel about someone who's going through health problems crises and letting go and finding yourself again. Like this is yeah. material right now. Right. Your soul is like, we need some material to work with. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like your life has been this. pretty
0: damn good. So yeah. we're gonna <laughs> throw
1: you a lot of curveballs. And, and you're gonna have. turn it into art and then you're gonna teach other people to do the same thing. That's so beautiful. Okay, just one
0: more brief interruption from today's episode with Sahara Rose to tell you guys about an additional sponsor for today's show, Viori Clothing. So before I get into why I love it, why it's the best, why I've been wearing it all the time, I wanted to first tell you that you have a discount code BLONDE at checkout at vioreclothing.com, which will give you 25% off. So that is a pretty big chunk right there, 25% off. Of such cute active wear that is made locally here in Southern California. So Viori is spelled V-U-O-R-I. But you can also find it in the show notes and on the balancebond.com slash podcast, which might make things easier if you're driving or busy or whatever else, but you want to shop Viori later. So this would also be, since the holidays are coming up, such a fun holiday gift for friends, for family, for yourself, because we all know gifting to ourselves is important too. So a couple things that I, I want you guys to know about Viori is that their super cute activewear is not only comfortable and perfect for workouts, but it's also really nice just for everyday life, hanging around, lounging. It's designed as both activewear and loungewear. Their designs are modern yet classic, so they're timeless. They don't go out of style. You'll kind of find yourself gravitating to it in your closet all the time. Um, Their absolute bestseller, which everyone talks about and everyone loves, and I now have a pair myself so I can attest to how wonderful they are, are their joggers. They're super soft. You'll wear them every day. You'll want to sleep in them. You'll want to go on walks with them. They are so cute on top of how comfortable they are. And they also have an investment in happiness guarantee, which extends to their product. So if you don't love it, you can actually return it. And as their brand positioning, they love to offer communities free yoga and fitness classes, support local nonprofits and provide community art shows and so many other fun things. So you should keep an eye out because I have a feeling I'll be doing more with them. In the future. They are close here in Encinitas, which is not so far away from where I live. So maybe some fun events coming up. They have a super cute Instagram, which you can check out at Viore Clothing on Instagram. So head to vioriclothing.com. Use the code blonde for 25% off to shop. See all their cute stuff. They're adorable. And they have stuff for guys. They have stuff for women. They are all over the place and it is kind of wonderful. So check it out, enjoy, and let's head back into this conversation with Sahara. I see that too. And I see within these poetry workshops, having guests like you and many of the other people that we know, Shaman Durek, Kundalini teachers, Guru Jagat, like lots of people Coming in to share their gifts and wisdom because I think so much of being able to write from the heart is tapping in and meditating, like learning the like a spoken
1: word convention or something. Yeah, yeah. But like in a really sacred space, maybe it's in your healing center in Ohio. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I see it. I also see. I had a vision while you were talking of us and and a group of people going to India together. Probably like after we both have our weddings and all these exciting things and I heal and I have to be more healthy to go to India or to go anywhere. Anytime you want to go
1: to India, let me know. Deepak has a center there. He's like, bring your friends. (laughs) I mean, hell yes.
0: (laughs) And I see it with you and I and and others. I can't see as clearly, but there are others. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. I've never been to India.
1: It's amazing. It's a whirlwind. Yeah, definitely have have your health together because it's going to throw know. you some curveballs. I, I know. I'm going to be like, <laughs> but at least you'll be at the healing probiotics. center. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, so tell us a little bit about planning a wedding.
1: Yeah, so I got engaged in June, like right before you did. Yeah, literally. Um, and it was a total surprise. I was in Bali by myself, writing my book, and pretty much, um, my friend told me that. She had planned a f- like her friend wanted to do a photo shoot with me. So I showed up at the photo shoot. I'm taking the pictures and someone pinches me from behind. I turn around and it's my boyfriend proposing to me. And I'm like,
0: what? And you thought he was in America? Yeah. I had no idea. Right. So
1: I literally thought I was like tripping on something. Best surprise. Um, best surprise. And on that trip, he got E. coli. Mmm. <gasps> And he was so, so, so sick. So I was like, this is supposed to be our engagement trip and you're so sick. And after he healed, he actually became plant-based. He started doing transcendental meditation. Like that was the upgrade that he needed to like, pretty much. If it's like, you're in a Mary Sahara. is like, you need to clear some gunk out. So I was like, okay, cool. So I had the idea that our wedding would be in Mexico. So I pretty much planned this entire wedding in Mexico, like down to the fork, did everything. And, um, I was about to go, I was going two days and this is in like San Miguel de Allende. It's like in central Mexico. And like, I was going to go two days before he was just to like scope it out. And then the night before, he sends me some article about like the cartel kidnapping four people, like exactly there. No. So I was like, what? And then I was so scared going there because he was like, be careful. Like the cartel is there. And at the airport on my flight, I see someone's shirt says cartel, someone's bag cartel. The song is like cartel. I was like, oh my God, is this the universe warning me about the cartel or am I being crazy right now? And it's hard to know if it's your fear or your intuition. So I went, the cartel did not kidnap me. We went to the place where the wedding is going to be with the wedding planner and everything, and suddenly I just felt something come through, and I've—I never vomit. i vomited everywhere. Oh my god! And then gosh. I was sick for eight days with like the worst, like food poisoning slash like I don't even know what. And that lesson for me was to let go of the idea of the perfect wedding because the moment we got engaged, I just went straight—I don't know if you did that too—straight into yeah. wedding planning and like forgetting about what is the point of just this love and celebrating the love? And the message that came through is to really make every day my wedding. So I thought, what are the things I want in my wedding? Well, I want lots of fruits. I want lots of leafy greens, like crystals, Palo Santo for everyone. Why don't I just have more of that in my life? So I bought plans. I like redecorated everything. I would take myself on beach walks. And now my real Mission is to live my life every day as if it was like a little wedding for myself, That's and so do the things beautiful. that I love. And now we are going to get married next summer in Hawaii. Um, But there is less pitta around it, and now like I haven't started planning it at all mm-hmm. because I just know it will work out. And again, it's just a celebration of love. But there, there every day is a celebration of love.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow! I'm so glad. You just said that for so many reasons because I have tried not to be stressed about wedding planning and it's hard not to be stressed because I mean, on top of like, it's a big thing to plan. I'm so sick. I can't even walk outside half the time. So I felt a lot of stress and I think something that will help me alleviate that because that's not what it's about. I would rather not have a wedding. I would rather elope like than be stressed. Mm-hmm. Um I think I can make every day a little bit of a wedding, just like you said, and that will help.
1: Exactly. Do you have a date picked out? We do. I'm not going to announce it. Oh, it's a secret. Okay. I like that. Some things are really good to be But It's going to be next summer in Hawaii because another thing that I noticed is like the moment you get married, it's inviting in a lot of opinions, a lot of energy, a lot of old chords in your life. And you know, at the end of the day, it's about you and your significant other and people are there to bear witness, but we've kind of switched it that we've turned it into like you and your partner back to back facing the outside world. So I really make it my intention to turn in and to face each other.
0: Oh my God, that's so beautiful. What it was, was that, I don't know, you mentioned like getting engaged brings up a lot of old feelings and these energetic chords that we have. And to me, it's been like really this huge time of healing from past relationships that I didn't even know I hadn't healed from because I have done so much work around it. But it's this like boundary of with people in the past, like we are never going to be together again. And not even that, like I knew we were never going to be together again, but now, you know, we're never going to be together again. And bringing up like my boyfriend from high school I thought we were gonna get married like I haven't thought that in a decade but it's like closing. oh they show up every ex will the show door. up in your dreams yeah <laughs> you're and, like hey remember yeah, me cutting yeah. these cords, it's been emotional <laughs> and I was wondering if it had been that way for
1: you for sure I mean you know I was in a relationship for four years in India like definitely thought I was gonna get married so grateful I didn't because I would have really been a caged bird and that's how I felt there. Um, and then I went back to Delhi with my fiance to shoot this book and like seeing like the old places that I used to like be and hang out and live in this like really past life that was in this lifetime. Um, and it just really makes me grateful that I've chosen this because life could look really, you know, the people you end up with radically shifts the trajectory of your life. So those Cords were cut for a reason. And I think for anyone who's maybe going through a breakup or something, um, literally imagining scissors that are cutting cords in your stomach, these cords that are connecting you and that person. Imagine those scissors cutting the cords in like a meditation process. And you may actually feel like resistance or that your stomach hurts and keep doing that every day until that person feels further and further away from you. And really just bless them on their path. But it doesn't mean, you know, sometimes I feel like, especially as women, we're like, well, let me check up on this person. Let me see how this person's doing. Like, oh, well, we're, we can still be friends. And <laughs> it's like, me last
0: night, call this yeah. person. Yeah. 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 And it's like,
1: honestly, with us women, there's just too much emotion there. And it brings us back to that place the same way a scent can, a conversation with an ex can really take you back to that vibration of who you were at that time. And I think it's just better to love from afar, forgive from afar. Maybe you've already had a, forgiveness face to face but you don't need to continue, you don't need to remain friends. I think that that's just holding on to something. Some people can do it in my experience it's been very much like it is done yeah that's really helpful yeah I think that will I mean it helps me and will help a lot of people listen I mean letting go is so hard because you've loved that person for so long and love is eternal so you know you have to also forgive the part of you that still loves them
0: right because that
1: part of you will never die you would not be a human if you stopped loving that person exactly
0: yeah that's so true and so beautiful I totally agree um so, I have rapid fire questions that I want to ask you that
1: will lead into uh what are your sun rising and moon signs? Yeah, so my sun and my moon are in Capricorn and my rising is in Sagittarius. Nice. Yes. So you do have that earthiness. Yes. That's and that drive yeah. of getting stuff done. Um and then the Sag is like truth.
0: Mm -hmm. I have a lot
1: of planets in Vedic astrology ruled by Jupiter, which is very much like seeking further meaning. Um, And yeah, in Vedic astrology, it's much more lunar based. It's a little bit of a different way of looking at the stars. Um, So there's different cycles that we're in like that are, kind of driven by different planets. So right now I'm in my moon cycle, which actually began two years ago. And that is my cycle of like family and like love and kids, which I'm gonna be in for like the next eight years. And then I begin this um, Mars, Marshall cycle, which is gonna be a new identity of who I'm gonna be in my later thirties, which is like more of like a mission. So it's very interesting to look at Vedic astrology to kind of see where you are in your life right now.
0: I cannot wait to talk to your Vedic astrologer. Don't let me forget to get his info from you. Um, Are you a night person or a morning person?
1: I am a night person for sure. I wrote Idiot Sky to Ayurveda literally like from, I mean, I pretty much was writing it all day, but I would be up to like three in the morning writing. For me, I feel more connected and more able to receive downloads when everyone is sleeping. The energy of the world is a little bit more calm and quiet, so I can really tune in. Um, But for some people, that's really early in the morning too. Mm -hmm. But it is the Vata time of day between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., which is the time that the veils are lifted between the universe and here.
0: Well, that proves it. I'm a vata yes. because that is exactly when I am the most inspired. And I wish... a lot of
1: artists and creatives are yeah. night owls for that reason.
0: Yeah, that's important. And a remember. lot of like
1: farmer type people are very morning people,
0: right? Mm-hmm. That's really important to remember because I feel like society celebrates people who wake up early and well, get to it. It's a it. generator
1: way of being. It's like right. how the masses were meant to work. They couldn't be up all night, mm-hmm. but the creatives always were.
0: Yeah. Today I slept in until 10 AM, set no alarm. And that's probably why I woke up happy. Yes. So, I, I slept
1: till nine today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. I love that.
0: Um, who are some
1: of your greatest mentors and teachers? So yeah. Well, Deepak Chopra, of course, has been just amazing that he believed in me before really anyone else did. Um, and I my grandmother, she was an immigrant to this country who literally came with $40 and would had to move to the Bronx, New York and would like grow like herbs in her house. And like from the time I was a kid, she's like, put a strawberry face mask on, like put avocado in your hair. And she's like the queen of self-care. She's so kapha. Um, But I really... Like I learned self-care. Like she was always teaching me facial massage and how to make your eyebrows grow arched by like She's massaging them cool. up. Yeah, like just the queen of that stuff, even though she didn't have anything. And it just really shows like you don't need all the fancy stuff to practice self-care.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. She sounds so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's one thing you've never been asked in an interview that you wish you had been asked?
1: Oh trust um, me, I know it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think again, like for me Ayurveda is a stepping stone to get to where it is you need to be going and I think a lot of us we just get so caught up well what am I supposed to eat what's my digestion what's this what's that and we really forget about the reason why so like more conversations of like why we're here why does this life matter like why why do some people experience pain and why not others like that to me is like everything worth talking Mm -hmm. about
0: totally well we should do an episode about that when I'm back just get really vata yeah (laughs) totally um Um, What is the hardest thing you've ever been through?
1: Yeah, definitely the period of time where I had lost um, the support and connection with my family and friends and relationships and uh, really had to mentor myself and be my own best friend. Um, That was a period of real loneliness. I remember thinking like, okay, if I could just like get up and, you know, Do one thing today, I'll be proud of myself. And so I totally know what it's like for people listening who may be there right now. Maybe this podcast is that one thing you did for yourself and that's a really great place to be. But keep moving forward. The reason why, like sometimes we get so obsessed with learning this healing modality, that healing modality that we're not actually integrating it. Mm. So in that time was when, you know, the shamanic practices I had like studied to teach other people, I had to do it for myself. Um, And I'm so grateful because you can't truly be a healer if you didn't get the healing yourself.
0: Yeah, that is so wild. What you just said is what I wrote in my journal this morning, like right before you got here, was because I'm really preparing for this break that I'm going to take. And I'm very excited to dive into these healing modalities so much deeper than I have, like Kundalini and human design specifically. But then I had to write, for yourself, not because mm. I—I find as a blogger, yeah, I turn everything into work. Like totally, how do I study this so that I can yes. be this and teach this? And it was so clear to me. Like even my own writing was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Correct what you just said. You must do this for yourself, or else there's really no point in doing it. And then once I'm healed, I can do
1: whatever I want, but first I must turn this inward. Yeah. And to continue to take breaks like that, not Mm -hmm. just a one-time thing to continue. I remember this summer I was telling you, I was feeling very overwhelmed with the amount of energy coming in. I was meditating on like a moat around myself. Mm. And it's like, I can choose who comes across the moat. Cause sometimes with social media, it's like, everyone's texting you all that all the time. It feels like you're getting all these text messages. And, um, one of the amazing things when I went to Bali, I was feeling super overwhelmed with the amount of energy coming in, and I was literally meditating on a moat around myself. And I think that whether you're an influencer or not, we're getting all of this feedback, all of this energy coming in and to decide what comes through me, what's going to pass this moat, What do I want on my island? Um, so having that space, having that pause, and, living your life for yourself. I realized that I was reporting everything while simultaneously living it. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be like, I don't know. I went whitewater rafting in my head. I'm like, how am I going to talk about this later on my podcast? Or I just got engaged. Like, how am I going to talk about this as someone else? And with social media, we've become these constant reporters that in the experience, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to regurgitate it. I remember telling a shaman about that. I'm like, do you feel like that too? He's like, I've never felt like that. Right. they were <laughs> like, like no. what? I thought that was everyone, but we've become like the simultaneously, like one foot in our lives, the other foot on social media, and we're not fully engaged in the experience.
0: That's so true. And that's why I'm so excited to take this break because I feel the exact same way and I, I just have this deep craving to just live my life and not report it and not even have to think of a way like to make a cute photo out of it or, or some kind of caption that's going to accurately portray how I feel because I take that very seriously and I really like connecting and communicating with people or else I wouldn't
1: and do I do like it. in-person stuff is going to be really good for you. Like yeah, when you have your healing center and you do your workshops, like connecting in person because you you need the human connection. That is why you're here. You right. are a sharer. But with the social media stuff, it's so vata. It's so up in the air. It's so out of control that having that grounding, that one-on-one, like really feeling their heart, that's going to really bring it home for you and for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, that's beautiful. If you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy?
1: Definitely turquoise. When I had the vision of the book, I imagined myself in front of a turquoise house holding a basket of fruit in a mm-hmm. white off-the-shoulder shirt. And then I realized I was thinking of a chiquita banana. Oh <laughs> my God, yes. And then I was like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And I realized there's a blue city in Jodhpur in India and I had never been there. And the photo- I asked the publishers, I'm like, I think I should go to India to shoot the photography. They're like, we're not going to pay for that. So my entire advance, I spent on going to India. I went on Instagram. I found random photographers in different villages and I met up with them. So everything is turquoise to just represent yes. my essence, which is also the throat chakra. Yeah. And you're such
0: a speaker and you're such a sharer and you're so good at that. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And the photos in your book are so pretty. Thank you. So tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's I am Sahara Rose. Sahara, like the desert. And um, you can take my quiz on my website. I am I have a podcast as well. Highest self podcast, which once you're done with your hiatus, I'll have to have you on. Yes. and Maybe you can do like a, a poetic, like, performance for us oh, that would be so would be, fun yeah like I'm really seeing like the kind of stuff InQ does do you know InQ yeah. oh yeah. yeah he's amazing I was on a thing he performed last night he's great oh really mm-hmm. you you just saw him last night that's yeah. another sign yeah to me that's totally great. he just happened to perform at an event I was at that's very cool Um, so yeah Highest Self Podcast which will have Jordan's poetry performance Yay. and yeah I am Sahara Rose if you heard me on this podcast I'd love to hear from you so send me a message let me know and I'm so looking forward to connecting with all of you.
0: Yes. Sahara is a wealth of knowledge about things we didn't even touch on in this podcast. So you will learn from her. I love following your Instagram and seeing all the... Pitta, Kapha, Vata, AF things like they're so funny and I relate to all of them, which is why I know I'm like a little imbalanced. I'm all over the place. So thank you so much for being mm-hmm. here. And this was so fun. You're mm-hmm. the first person I've had the energy to talk to Aww. for over an hour uh, on the podcast and a long source time. Because feeding
1: us. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So thank you. Mm, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Okay, thank you guys so much for
0: listening to this episode with Sahara Rose. I could have gone on and on with her forever. She's such a fun person to talk to. As you can see, she knows me very well. She is one of those people I can just hang out with and I don't have to describe how I'm feeling or explain myself because she can just feel it too. She can tap into it. She's done so much incredible inner work so that she can just... Be herself and shine her authentic light into this world, which is exactly what she does. She's such an unbelievable teacher when it comes to Ayurveda and living your truth. Like she said, she is energized from source. And for that reason, she pretty much never runs out of energy and passion for what she's doing, whether it be speaking on 18 different TV shows in one day, going on podcasts back-to-back, writing her next book, doing other amazing things, texting with Deepak Chopra... Um, she's always on top of it and she's always amazing and I'm just so proud of her and I'm so happy to know her. So thank you Sahara for being here. Definitely enter our giveaway by rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes, following Sahara on Instagram at I am Sahara Rose, following The Balanced Blonde on Instagram if you don't already, and then emailing me a screenshot to Jordan at thebalancedblonde.com. And that will enter you. We will choose a wonderful winner in about a week. And otherwise, thank you to our sponsors from, from today's episode, Hum Nutrition, Thrive Market, and Viori Clothing. You can find the codes for all three of those in the show notes, as you always can, and also on the slash podcast. And lastly, I would love your thoughts on the break that I'm about to take and any requests you might have for me to talk about and mention in regards to the break that I'm taking before I dive into it. So you can also email those to me if you'd like. And otherwise, thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys all have an amazing soul on fire day and we'll talk soon.